0: This journey started long before us, mapped out from the very beginning. Movements built on a legacy of prayer and sacrifice. This is not the easy way. It requires hard things. It will change us. It demands our attention. It is a journey of rescue to be passed on from one generation to the next are here to take up the baton to embrace our leg of the journey to go not just for ourselves but for the generations to come
1: here we Good morning, Medina East Campus of Grace Church. It's great to have you here this morning as we are in week two of this Here We Go journey that we are on together. And uh, if you are a guest with us here this morning or if it's your first time at Grace, I just want to say a very special welcome to you. Thanks for being here. Uh, But if you are a guest or you missed last week, let me just kind of take a moment to catch you up to speed with what it is that we're doing in this sermon series uh, together. So this this series we're in, Here We Go, is actually a five-week conversation. This is week two. And we said this uh, last week. We said that this this sermon series is actually very abnormal from what we typically do on the weekend services here at Grace Church. And so if you are a guest, if you found yourself here, or maybe someone invited you for the first time, I actually want you to know that that what you stepped into is unlike anything that we typically do on, on the weekend. So this is not a normal weekend uh, at Grace. And I'm glad you're here, but I just want you to kind of know that this is a little different. And the reason for that is because we said that that. Pretty much the way that we're thinking about this series is that in a lot of ways, we said this is kind of like a family conversation. It's a little bit like a family conversation. And so if you think about with your own family, if you have some family issues that you want to talk about, if you were to gather around in kind of the living room or gather around the kitchen table or wherever it is that you gather as a family to kind of talk through those things, we said that's kind of what this is like. We kind of want to approach it that same way. And when we say that this is a family conversation, what I mean by that is that we're actually talking specifically to a certain audience. And who it is that we're speaking to is those who would call the Medina East Campus home. So if you're a person that would look at this church and you look at this campus and you'd say, yep, this is my home church, yep, this is my campus, yep, I'm part of this place, then that's actually who we are specifically Talking to uh, throughout this this sermon series. Now again, that's so different than what we typically do. Uh, usually on the weekend, if you're here, Roy is very careful to talk to everybody, whether you're part of our church or not part of our church, whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're someone that's investigating Jesus. Roy is careful to kind of talk to all audiences and be considerate that uh, as we kind of move through. But this series in particular. We're saying we want to talk specifically to the family, those who call the Medina East Campus home. And we said, not only is this a family conversation, we said maybe even a better way to think of it is that it's actually the beginning of a family journey. It's actually the beginning of a family journey. In other words, we said in this series, our hope is not just to talk about something. We said our hope is actually to go somewhere it's that we're trying to rally our family together and kind of start together on a journey. We're hoping to go somewhere. And so we said, this is going to be a journey that it's going to require every man, every woman, every child, and every student who is part of this church. We need everyone to get in the van because here we go. We're going to go on this journey. And So we said that with this series, there are going to be some very specific asks that are attached to that for those who call the Medina East Campus home. Now, let me just say too, I mentioned this last week, but I think it's worth saying again, that if you are a guest, if it is your kind of first time here, you might hear me say that. You might hear me say, this is a family conversation. We'll talk to the family. And you might be thinking, well, man, I'm not part of the family. And so I guess this sermon series isn't for me. I must've come on a bad weekend. And I just wanna tell you, I don't think that's the case. In fact, if you are a guest, I'm actually really glad you're here And even though I'm not going to be asking you for anything, if you're a guest, I just want you to kind of be here. I actually want to invite you to eavesdrop in to this conversation. And the reason is because if you're a person who's trying to figure out what Grace Church is all about, maybe you're trying to figure out, is this the church for our family? What is this church all about? Where is this church going? I actually think you came at an awesome time uh, because by the end of this series, you're going to be crystal clear on what this church is all about and where we're going together. So I want to invite you to listen into that conversation. And even though I'm going to be speaking specifically to the family, to the Grace Church family, I want to invite you in to kind of listen to that together. All right? So last week, uh, what we did is we actually spent the entire weekend last week really just talking about the why. That's what we did. And here's what we said. We said, hey, before we go on this journey, and before we talk about where we're going, and before we talk about how we're gonna get there, we said it's crucial that we all understand the why, right? So, why is it? That we're going on this journey. What is the heart behind that? What is the motivation that lies behind this next leg of the journey we're going on? And so we did that last week. We spent the whole week talking about the why. We opened up our Bibles together. We looked at Psalm 78, and we said Psalm 78 in a very clear way articulates the heartbeat behind this journey that we're gonna be on uh, together. So I just encourage you, if you missed last week, you don't want to, you, you you're gonna wanna go back, you're gonna listen to that, because I think it's really critical that we're on the same page of man, this is why. We're doing this. This is the heart. This is what we see in Scripture, and so we want to be obedient to that, and we want to move forward in light of that. And so I want you to go check that out this week as we're continuing. I want to take some time, and I actually want to spend pretty much the whole time talking about the, the where. So where are we going? And uh, as we think about you know what, where this journey is headed, what is the destination? That we're going after together. So I want to spend some time doing that today. And because I want to do that, I just want to let you know that today, just to kind of set your expectations, there's going to be a lot more information than there is going to be inspiration, all right? But the reason for that is, again, because we're having a family conversation, and I want to make sure those who are part of the Medina East, Medina East Campus family are very clear on where we're going and are very clear on how and why we believe that these are the things that we're gonna be moving into together. So we're gonna do that. Now, before we jump into some of those details, I think it would only be fitting though if we just took just a couple minutes real quick and if we returned back to Psalm 78, okay? So if you got a Bible, why don't you just go ahead and grab that with me again and why don't you turn back to Psalm 78 one more time. This is the passage we looked at last week. We're looking at it this week. We're looking at it in the next couple weeks as well. And so page 407 in the Bibles under the chairs is where Psalm 78 is. If you don't have a Bible, you can take one of those. We'd love for you to have one. But the reason we keep coming back to this Psalm is we said this. We said that, man, in a lot of ways, this is like home base for us. And this is like base camp. And as we go through this journey, we're going to keep going back to Psalm 78 because this is so much of the heart behind what this whole thing is about. All right, so let's just take a look again. We'll just look at verse one to seven. Those are the verses we covered last week. And let's just kind of look again at the, at the kind of the why behind all of this. So here's what Psalm 78 says. It says, a mass of Asaph. Now, last week, we actually talked about that. We said a mass is actually a type of psalm, and it is a psalm of instruction, which means that this is a psalm in which God is instructing his people how they should structure their lives, how, how does God want us to structure our lives? So Psalm 78 is gonna give some wisdom and it's gonna give some insight into that. And here's what the psalmist writes. He says, my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things, things from of old, things we have heard and we have known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation." The praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, of his power, and the wonders that he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob, and he established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. He said, so that the next generation would know them, even to the children yet unborn, And they, in turn, would tell their children. And then they would put their trust in God, and they would not forget his deeds, but they would keep his commands. So last week, we talked all about this. And you might remember, we said Psalm 78 is a very simple but a very profound psalm. And one of the reasons it's so profound is because it introduces us to a very important principle. And here's the principle that we looked at last week. We said Psalm 78 teaches us that the story of God, the story of God, that is the, the message of God. the the message of his rescue story that's given in scripture, that the rescue story specifically about Jesus, the story of God is passed down generationally and relationally. And we said, here it is. It's a very simple, but it is a very profound truth that the way that God has designed his movement to take place, that God's method to his mission is that his story is to be passed down relationally, That it is all, that relationships is the whole thing. That it is life on life interaction. That it is one generation passing it to the next. It is one person passing it on to the next. In other words, here's what we said last week. We said the story of God was never intended simply to be written on the pages of a book. We said the story of God is intended to be written in the hearts and the lives of men and women who are transformed by that story and then take it and impart it into a Others who don't know who Christ is, or don't know the story of who God is. And so we say, that's it. That's how God move, God's movement works. In fact, last week you might remember I said this. I said I believe that the Church of Jesus Christ is at its best. The Church of Jesus Christ is at her best when every generation is not simply thinking about themselves, but is also being intentional about considering and taking responsibility for the next generation to make sure they get it. I said this last week. I said, I believe that every follower of Jesus is at their best when they are not just thinking about themselves, but when they're also thinking about others who don't yet know the hope of who Jesus is and how we can invest in those things. This is how God's movement works. This is how God's movement works. We talked about that. Now, this week, I wanna talk about Another very important principle that I think we see here in Psalm 78, and I think is very relevant to us as a church right now, and here's the principle I want to talk about today. It's this, that influence is a matter of stewardship. I think when you look at Psalm 78, you're going to see this. The Bible's going to tell us that whenever a group of people, whenever a person or a generation finds themselves in a place of blessing, of privilege, or of influence, That is always something that we wanna say thank you to God for, but it also is a matter of responsibility. It is a stewardship issue in which we are to take that and leverage that, not just for our own benefit, but for those who come after us as well. Influence is a matter of stewardship. Now, the reason I put this up on the screen is not just because I think it's an important theological concept, I do think it's a very important theological concept, but it actually is very relevant to where we are as a campus and we are as a church right now. So let me just take kind of the rest of our time and let me just kind of walk you through a little bit of information uh, for those who are part of the Medina East Campus family about, about what God has been doing, how God has been working here at the Medina East Campus. All right, So let me just kind of tell you this. Last week, I mentioned to you that we just turned seven. So the Medina East Campus is now seven years old as of December, just this past December. In dog years, we're 49. I don't know why that's important, but someone told me that in the cafe, and I thought, hmm, I'll weave that into the sermon. So there you go. You got that. And, uh, but we are, we are seven years old, and, and here's what I would say, all right, kind of as the campus pastor, I would say that over the past seven years, and some of you have been here for the whole thing, some of you have kind of jumped in along the way, and you've been a key part of what's been going on here at Grace, but I would tell you that over the past seven years, um, it certainly has not been perfect, not, not without a doubt. We have, it has not been without challenge. Uh, There have been serious challenges and obstacles that we've had to overcome along the way over the past seven years. But I can tell you this, and with all confidence in my heart and all honesty, I can tell you that what we have seen God do here at this campus over the past seven years has been without a doubt special. It has been special. I can just tell you from my vantage point, I have never been part of or seen anything like what God has done over the past seven years here at this campus. And for whatever reason, uh, God has allowed us to be part of something and has allowed us to experience something that, that many churches never get a chance to experience. And it has, been, it has been a wild ride. And so just to give you, some of you might be saying, like, well, what are you talking about? Well, let me just give you some high-level bullet points of some of the things that we've seen God doing, some of the ways that we've seen God working at our church. This might be helpful for you if you're newer to our church to kind of give you a little bit of history about us. I think one of the visible ways, probably the most visible way that we've been seeing God work is in part through our attendance. And so in 2012, when we first launched the Medina East Campus, we started with 322 people, which is actually a huge start. And since then, ever since we began, we have actually done nothing but grow. We've, we've never had a season where we have not been in growth mode, and so currently right now, we average over 1,100 people on any given weekend, and if you look at even the past few months, that's only continued to incline and continue to grow. I just want to let you know that our average growth rate since we began is 18%. Just to give you some sense of understanding, uh, in the church world, that is unheard of. Uh, that number, 18%, um, church growth experts have a name for that. They call it supernatural growth. They're just like, that's just, this is beyond what we see that typically happens. Now, I want you to know that uh, our attendance is not like our bottom line goal. That's not what we're shooting. We, we want to see more people come to church because we want to see people, more people know Jesus. But that's never like the thing that we're, we're going after is attendance. But I would say that this, we would look and say that's an indicator of health. Everything healthy is going to grow, and we believe that, and we've just seen that for whatever reason, God has drawn people to this campus. God is continuing to draw people to this church. For whatever reason, he has decided that to be the case. Let me show you something else that blows my mind. God working at MEC, Power Kids, which by the way is birth to elementary, represents 29% of our weekend attendance. So 29% of what we're seeing happen on the weekend is represented in children, in children. That's crazy. Uh, Just to give you some sense of scale, the national average is 21%, 21%. And I'll tell you what's even more wild is about four years ago, we were at 24%. And then we did the sex talk series and nine months later, we were at 29. And so it was just crazy what happened. That's actually not true at all. I made that up. I just made that up. But we're just saying, man, God is just bringing kids. Like, for whatever reason, there are young families that are getting connected here at this church, and the kids are uh, enjoying. We we hear story after story of kids who are dragging their parents to church, and we're like, that's way cool what God is doing. Uh, Here's something else that's been blowing my mind. Student ministries right now, I don't know if you guys know this, high school and middle school students right now, what's happening has been explosive and we have seen that Student Ministries is experiencing the highly weekend attended, the highest weekly attendance to date. And that is true month after month right now. So if you've been here for the past seven years, you might know that Student Ministries has been a slow grow. And it has been slow from the beginning to, to get something viable and something strong moving with middle school and high school. Well, now we'd look and we'd say over the past two years, there's been something amazing that's been happening and it continues to grow and build momentum. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but there are 182 12 to 18 year olds that are connected in some way to our middle school and our high school ministries right now. And so again, we're just seeing that there is um, the next generation of middle school and high school students who are getting pumped up about following Jesus. And that's cool. And that's cool. Let me show you something else that's, that's really awesome. Our young adult ministries, that's 18 to 28-year-olds, has uh, currently relaunched as United. Now, again, our young adults, the 18 to 28, that's been a slow grow for us over the past seven years. But we would look and say that right now, uh, there is something that God is doing that is amazing among our young adults. You guys, this is crazy to me. There are 89 18 to 28-year-olds that are connected in some way to United right now, to the United ministry. And so we're looking and we're saying, here's a group of 20-year-olds who want to love and follow Jesus. And we're like, that is awesome. That is awesome what God is doing. Only God can do that in the lives of people. Something else that blows me away, 518 students and adults are regularly connected to life groups. Now, if you're new at Grace, uh, life groups are basically our expression of biblical community. So basically life groups are beyond the weekend, they're times for, uh, for people to get connected in real relationships with other people. Oftentimes they meet in homes and they rally around uh, the word of God and also rally around the mission of God and building relationships in those ways. It's an amazing thing. And we have seen right now, currently, we'd say there's 518 uh, uh, people who are connected regularly to life groups. It's awesome. Something that only God can do and move in those ways. Right now, this is something that blows me away. Over the past seven years, God has opened up the door to global partnerships and to local partnerships. So globally, Uganda, Africa, through San Yuka, uh, He's opened doors with shoulder to shoulder in Mazatlan, Mexico. Locally, our partnerships with Oasis of Hope and Safe Families, Love Inc. and Cubs Cafe continue to grow. Now, some of you might not know those organizations, and that's okay. I'll talk about them a little bit later, so you'll know a little bit about those organizations. But all I'm saying here is that God has done something amazing and that he has opened up opportunities and connections for us to partner with missions and outreach both locally and globally in some pretty amazing ways. And so we've seen God do that over the past seven years. Here's something else. Since the launch of the equipping division, we have seen 200 people enroll in those courses. So if you're not familiar with the equipping division, here's how we explain that. The equipping division is university-level applied ministry training courses that are designed to equip Christian workers for service. And so basically, it's, it's a way to try to help people grow and then become Christian workers equipped to do ministry. And we, since we started that, which is just over a year ago, we've seen 200 hungry people get connected to that in some way or another. It's only something God can do. I think all of us, and I could just show you more and more bullet points that we could go on and on, but here, here's, here's the one that I wanna just think about a little bit together. It's this, that right now, according to our database, there's just over 1,200 families that are in some way or another connected or influenced by the Medina East Campus, 1200 families. Now, let me explain that a little bit. That's a big number, that's a big number. In fact, if you were to to look at that, that would be somewhere between three and 4,000 people that are connected in some way or another to the Medina East Campus. Now that is anyone who has kind of interacted with us and has recorded attendance over the past year. So we know that's a big number, right? That would include Easter, that includes Christmas, that includes all the kind of stuff going on there. But the reason I show you this is because I believe that this number and these counties that are listed, I think this reveals to us what level of influence God has given us. I believe that what this reveals to us is it reveals our reach. What is our geographical and what is the relational reach that this church has into our community, into our world, and into other people, uh, into relationships. And I would say it looks like this. And I'll just be honest with you, that blows me away. For whatever reason that God has determined, he has allowed this church, he has allowed this campus to have a big influence in the community and the world that we live in. He has allowed this campus to have a big influence in the next generation. Now, here's what I think when I read all of that. I don't know about you, but when I read through all of that, man, it makes me excited. I look at that and I'm like, that's just cool. That's just cool. I I love this church. I love you guys. I'm so thankful that we get to do this together and that we get to watch God work in these ways. This is so cool. But at the very same time, it makes me excited. It also fills me with a sense of sobriety. And the reason is because, I, because of what I just said a minute ago. It's because I know and you know influence is a matter of stewardship. Influence is a matter of stewardship. I know that. And we know that. The scripture teaches us that. Listen, any time we find ourselves in a place where we are experiencing blessing, when we are in a place of privilege, or we find ourselves in a place of influence, we always want to be people who first and foremost say, thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But in the very same breath, we want to be the kind of people that say, all right, Lord, what do you want us to do with that? Because I believe that we are blessed to be a blessing, And I believe that when God gives influence, it's because it is not just something to be enjoyed. It is something that we are responsible for, and it is something that is to be stewarded for maximum kingdom effectiveness. All right? So I just want you to know this statement that's up on the screen right now has been one I've been thinking about for a very long time. In fact, I would tell you for over a year I have been thinking about this. And I've been looking at our, what God has been doing at our campus, and I've been thinking about and praying about and considering that. And I've been thinking about this. God, what do you want us to do with this? God, what do we need to do with this? And I just tell you that over a year process, what basically what we've been doing is I, I've been praying about this. I went to our steering team. Our steering team has fasted, and we've been praying about this. I went to the campus pastors, I went to the senior pastor of Grace Church seeking wisdom. What do we need to do with this? What do we need to do next? Started talking with our staff, started talking with our teams, started praying with them. Over the past several months, we've been talking with our life group leaders and the leaders within the church. We've been saying, what do we need to do with this? Trying to seek God. God, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do? And I can just tell you after a year of fasting and praying and planning and seeking wisdom, Part of the reason I'm so excited about this series is because I want to stand up here today and I want to tell you with all the confidence that I have that I feel very confident now that there are four big things, four big things that we are uniquely positioned as a church to pursue as we go through this journey together. So what are those four things? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about. Where are we going? All right, here's the four. I'll just tell you what they are and then I'll try to explain a little bit behind it. Here's number one, four big things, number one, campusing, campusing, all right, so, so here it is. I believe that right now, the Medina East Campus, it is, our, it is our turn and it's our time to set very clear and active goals towards this campus launching another campus of Grace Church somewhere in our community, somewhere in another community. I believe it's time for us to do that, to send people, to send resources, and to send another campus. We need to actively set goals towards that, campusing. Number two, number two is children and students, children and students. I believe that right now as a campus, that we are uniquely positioned to make a huge impact in the next generation, and that if we don't act now on the opportunity that's right in front of us, that we might miss it, that we might miss it. And I'll explain that here in a second. Number three, leadership development. I believe that the greatest need that we're gonna have right now in this next season as a church is going to be to raise up more Christian workers on every level. More leaders, more workers is what we're gonna need. That's gonna be our greatest need. Number four is outreach, outreach, okay? I believe that right now, our campus needs to double down on our efforts to increase our involvement and our visibility within our community and within our world. We do not wanna be a church that just exists for ourselves. We wanna be a church that exists to bless the community and bless the world that God has placed us in. Okay, so those are the four things. Campusing, children students, leadership development, and outreach. All right, now, I put those in front of you. Let me tell you what I'm planning to do. So my hope is that today, today, because remember, this is a family conversation, I want to talk you through the first two of these things, all right? So I want to describe why these two, why now, and kind of explain the heart behind that. So that's what we're going to do today. Next week, I want to talk you through number three and number four, leadership development and outreach, kind of talk through those things. The week after that, I want to tell you the plan. So we'll talk about the plan. So that's what we're going to be doing here together. So today, just these two. So let's start off, and let's first just take a little bit of time to talk about campusing. Okay, so campusing. Why now and what's kind of the heartbeat behind that? Okay, we believe that now is the time for the Medina East Campus to set clear and active goals towards planting another campus. Now, why would we say that? Well, a big part of it has to do with our vision and the vision of, of 30 and 30. Let me kind of explain this. If you're someone who's newer to Grace Church, which you might not know is that Grace Church is what they actually call a multi-campus church. And so we are one church that exists in right now currently eight different campuses. So we have six campuses that are in the greater Akron area. And then we have two campuses that are down in Atlanta, Georgia. Now a lot of times people will ask this question. They'll say, "Okay, so you're eight different campuses, but you're one church. What is it that makes you one church? Like what is it that unites you as one church?" And it's actually pretty simple. Uh, what unites us is really that we have three, com- we share three common things. We share a common vision, we share a common mission, and we share common values. Those are kind of the three things that unite us together. And the vision that we're pursuing together, all eight of our campuses, is this one. It is 30 and 30. Or in other words, we are asking God, and we are actively pursuing, planting 30 campuses over the course of 30 years. 30 campuses and new communities where more and more people can get connected to the gospel of Jesus Christ. 30 and 30 is what we call that vision. Now, I will tell you, I actually remember... The first time that this vision was spoken. And it actually was back in 2013. So 30 and 30 begin in 2013. And I remember the first time it was said. It was actually said by our senior pastor, Pastor Jeff Bogue. Now, if you guys don't know Jeff Bogue, Jeff is the senior pastor of All of Grace Church. Here's a picture of him in case you want to know what he looks like. That's him. And so Jeff is the senior pastor, he oversees all the campuses of Grace. And I remember back in 2013, the first time that he said 30 campuses in 30 years. It actually was right after this campus started. So the Medina East Campus just started. And I remember at that point, there was only three campuses. It was just Norton, Bath, and Medina. And I remember Pastor Jeff said this, after the Medina Campus started, Jeff said, from now on, that's how we wanna grow. That's how we wanna grow. And he said this, he said, rather than trying to grow a sequoia tree, like one big church in one location. He said, we wanna become a multiplying movement. We wanna become an orchard. And he says, we wanna plant a bunch of different campuses over an entire region, that way more and more people can get connected to the gospel. And I remember when Jeff said that, when he said 30 and 30, uh, to the elders at the church and to the campus pastors, we thought that was so clear and we thought that was so compelling and we thought that that was so right. We said, that's right, that's right. We wanna reach more people in more communities. That's the right thing to do, that we really felt like that was God's direction. And so we said, all right, we're gonna do it. 30 campuses in 30 years. So that was, so get this, that was back in 2013. So that was seven years ago. So there's 23 years left in 30 and 30. We have eight campuses, so we got 22 more campuses that we're shooting for. So 30 and 30 is actually more like 22 and 23. It's actually a better way to say it, but it's not it doesn't have the same ring to it, so we don't say it that way. But basically, here, here's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when I look at everything that God has done at our campus over the past seven years and when I look at the amazing things that he has been doing within this congregation, I look at all of the influence that he has given us, I'm looking at that and I'm saying, you guys, I think it's our turn. I think it's our turn. I think we've got to step up to the plate and I think we need to begin to actively pursue this campus launching another campus. I just think it's our turn. Now, I will tell you this. Two years ago, when we were five years old, I actually remember we started to try to lead our campus to campusing. Some of you might remember that. If you were here two years ago, you might remember. I actually got up on stage. I said, you guys, we're gonna start talking about campusing. We're gonna pray about it. We're gonna start making some plans. And then pretty quickly after that, we hit the brakes. We hit the brakes. And the reason we did that is because I had, a, I had an incredibly enlightening conversation with Pastor Jeff. And so I actually remember this, uh, Pastor Jeff and, and other campus pastors we were sitting in a room. And I remember I asked Jeff, I said, Jeff, uh, this is Jeff. I said, Jeff. And, um, and he said, uh, he said, yes, my son. And I said, <laughs> he didn't say that. Actually, he probably did say that, if you know Jeff. And I said, I said, Jeff, when do we know it's time to campus? Like, what is, what is the indicator light? I said, because if it's attendance, we have a ton of people coming to our campus. At that time, we were adding services. I said, so, so do we need to focus on campusing? And I'll never forget what Jeff said. I thought this was so enlightening. Jeff said this, and I quote him, are you ready to campus when mama is healthy? And I remember I was like, at first I was like, not sure what that means. And i um, slightly offended you're talking about my mom right now. <laughs> But, but he went on to explain, and I think you guys get it. What he said was, listen, if a mother campus is going to launch a baby campus, he said, mama's gotta be healthy. Because if mama's not healthy, if the sending campus isn't healthy, not only is it going to, to launch unhealth, he said, but it's also gonna be de- of detriment to the health of both mama and baby. And I remember I thought, wow, that is so wise. And that is, that is just really good, good insight. And so that actually caused us to hit the brakes, and we stepped back, and we said, what we need to do is we need to, get, we need to do a health evaluation. We need to see, is mama healthy? And so we actually did two different things. And if you were here, you might remember this. The first thing we did is we worked with, an inter- with a national company called Reveal. And some of you did this. You took a survey and Reveal is a national church health and growth organization that helps churches evaluate uh, strength and growth areas. And so we had everyone do that and that kicked back some really enlightening data. And then we also did a comparative study we did a comparative study and how this campus sizes up against the more mature campuses who have been around a little bit longer. And so we did that. And I'll tell you, we got some some really, really important information back. We found out that we are really strong and we are really exceptional in a lot of areas. So for example, we found out we are by far the most attractive campus, which we already, <laughs> we already knew that, but it was good to see that. But, no, but for real, there's a lot of Really, really cool things that were happening here. But we also realized that there were some, there were some glaring issues of immaturity that we needed to address. So I'll just mention a few of them that came back. A couple areas of growth that came back from, that, from those surveys. One of the first one was we realized our biblical community uh, was actually very low. And here's what I mean by that. So the way that we do biblical community here, the way we organize biblical community is through life groups. And we found when we did this survey a couple years ago that the number of people that attend on the weekend compared to the percentage of people that get connected to life groups was very low. Very low compared to other campuses that are more mature than we were at that time. And so basically what we said is we got a lot of ninjas, We've got a lot of ninjas. You guys have heard me talk about church ninjas before. Some of you might still be in that category, right? The church ninja is the one who slips into service on the weekend, and uh, I don't know what I'm doing right now. I don't know why it's a robot. It's a ninja, but the, the ninja comes into service and listens to the music and listens to the message and then slips out, and no one knows that they're there, and then they come back the next week, right? I never really know anybody or never really get connected into relationships, and, and here's what we said. We said we got a lot of that going on, And quite honestly, that's not super healthy. It's not super healthy for the church. It's not super healthy for you if you're gonna grow spiritually. And so we looked at that and we said, all right, well, we gotta do something about that. So over the past couple of years, we've made some adjustments. We've reorganized some things internally. We've beefed up our coaching structure within life groups. And I will tell you, we have seen slow but steady growth in the right direction here in biblical community. Second thing that came back was outreach. I'll actually talk more about this next week Basically, they said, um, you guys do not have a strong presence in your community and in your world. And, uh, and we heard that, and we actually agreed with that. We said, we know, we want to change that. And after, uh, after hearing that, we actually made a couple changes, and we, um, we changed some hiring. We actually put a full-time person in Give It Away to help with local and global stuff. And I will tell you that since then, we have seen slow but steady growth in the right direction, so that has been good. The other thing they pointed out, the third thing that came up was they said staff immaturity. They said the staff at your campus is immature. And I remember I said to them, I don't need a survey to tell me that. I know that. And, uh, and I said, I have pictures that are evidence of that. Pictures like this here <laughs> that validate. Or pictures of Dan Miller like this. Which, by the way, I, I'm showing you this because there's some things you can't unsee. And so you're welcome, you're welcome for the nightmares on that one. So they said, yeah, your staff is immature, and I said, I know, I know we're immature. And they said, no, they said, we don't mean childish, which is true. They said, but uh, what they meant was this, they said, you guys are lean. They said, for a church that's your size, that's growing at the rate you are, they said that your, your staff is actually in a place where it's actually pretty lean. I'll just tell you guys, and I'm just being honest here, I, lo- I actually really love running lean and mean. I love it. I I love the challenge of taking limited resources and getting maximum impact. I just enjoy all of that. But I think many of you know there is a a fine line between lean and mean and lean and dumb. And we have been riding that line since day one. And so we've been pretty lean in those ways. So we we wanted to evaluate and change some things that way. Now I will tell you two years ago, if you said, are we ready to campus? I would have looked at you after running the data and I would have said, nope, Mama's not healthy, man. We got to gotta work on some stuff. We got to get stronger. We got to get better in some things. We got to lead God's people to some things before we're ready to do that. Now, it's two years later. We've made some adjustments. It's 2020. And if, I, if, I was, if you were to ask me now, standing in front of you here today, are we ready to campus today? All right, if you were to ask me that question, here's my answer. You ready? Give me, give me a drum roll. Can you humor me? Can you just pat your legs? I drum roll, please. Are we ready to campus now? Here's my answer. No. No, we're not. We're not ready. We still have so many things we have to fix and get ready if this is actually going to become a reality. But, and this is what I want you to hear me say, if we wait until we have everything perfectly ready and perfectly healthy for us to campus, we will never, ever do it. Because we're never going to be perfectly healthy. This is not going to happen. It's kind of like when people ask you the question, when are you ready to have kids? If you're a parent in this room, let me ask you, when are you ready to have kids? Tell me. Never, never. never. I have four kids. I'm still not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> and at some, at some point, right, part of the maturation process is to go through the process. You just have to say, we're gonna grow by going. That's how we grow. And I just wanna tell you that I believe right now it is time for us to actively set goals, prayerfully, with wisdom, but actively set goals and saying, okay, we're gonna go after this together, congratulations. I can tell you something else, this is just just my gut, so you can take this or leave it, this is my gut. I think one of the reasons why we need to go after campusing right now is because we're turning seven, it's because we're seven years old. I don't know if you guys ever have heard this before, but there's actually psychology behind the number seven. Did you guys ever hear the seven year itch before? This is actually real. Do you know that? There's actually uh, verifiable data behind this that the year of marriage that couples are most inclined to get divorced is in year seven. Now, why is that? Well, no one knows exactly. There's all kinds of theories out there. Some people would say, well, it's probably because you move from passion to maintenance you know, in your relationship. Maybe it's because you fall into like complacent patterns and you get kind of stuck doing the same thing. Maybe the reason this happens is because you start to lose sight of your first love. Maybe that's what it is. But here's the thing, and this is crazy to me. If you study church planting and you study campus planting, you will see that this number applies in a lot of ways in the same way. And a lot of times, church plants or campuses that begin, if they don't make it, they usually fizzle out about year seven. And then if they do make it, if campuses and churches continue to go, when they get to year seven, they will oftentimes begin to plateau or decline. And why is that? Well, I don't, I don't know, but I can kind of understand it a little bit. It can be easy sometimes to move from mission to maintenance, it can be easy, you know, when we first started this place, man, we were full of evangelistic fervency and missional clarity. We knew what we were doing, and we had to go after it, and we needed everyone involved. Well, you know, once you start to get more established, it's easy just to get caught in same, the same patterns. And so what I'm saying is I think that because we're at year seven, that we need to focus on mission, and we need to focus on multiplication because it's going to cause us to do all the right things. It will make some of you get off the bench and get in the game, And it will cause all of us to rise up and do all the things that we know we need to do anyway as followers of Christ, All right? So that's that's it. Now I know when I say campusing, some of you are like, all right, well, I got all kinds of questions now. Like, when are we gonna do it? And where's it gonna be? And who's gonna go? Are you going? Am I going? Who's supposed to go to this thing? And you might be asking all those questions and we'll talk about the plan in a few weeks, all right? But I want you to know the heart behind a little bit of campusing. All right, let me just take a few minutes here and briefly talk a little bit about kids and students, children and students, about campusing, children and students. Here's what I believe. I believe that we are uniquely positioned to impact the next generation. We have a great opportunity to influence the growing wave of children and students that is within our reach. All right. Now, let me just tell you, I think that we are uniquely positioned right now as a campus to make a significant and sizable impact in the next generation. A part of the heart behind this, by the way, if you happen to be here in January of 2019, uh, January, it's January now, of August of 2019, we did a sermon series called We. And in that sermon series, it was about the Grace Church values. And we took a week and we talked about the value. We are fully committed to kids and students. I just wanna tell you, if you weren't here for that message, I actually wanna give you a little bit of homework if you're part of the Medina East Campus. I wanna ask you that you would go back and listen to that message. Back in August of 2019. If you want to access it, you can go to HereWeGoMedina.com, click on messages, and then you can find it there and you can listen to it. I want to encourage you to do that. And the reason is because, in many ways, that was a pivotal moment for us as a church. And we basically tried to raise awareness of what the challenge of the next generation looks like. And in a lot of ways, it was a battle cry. It was a battle cry. And part of the reason why I knew that that was going to be so important is because I knew what God was doing here at His church, here at the Medina East campus. So, what is God doing? Well, let me let me just show you something real quick. This is a graph that we call the wave. Call this the wave. What this represents is it represents every child, birth to eighteen, that's connected to our church, connected to this campus, to this campus. Now there's a couple things I want you to notice and I'll explain. Some of you are analytically minded and you're already starting to try to make sense of the numbers. And so let me just point out a couple quick things. One is you'll notice the number is a little over 1,500. A little over 1,500, it's a big number. The reason that's a big number is that is recorded attendance over this past year. So if anyone has any recorded attendance that's gonna be represented here. So that's a big number. We're not gonna see 1,500 kids and students here on a given weekend, all right? But here's what I want you to notice. The number of 18-year-olds connected to our campus total is seven. Recorded attendance is seven. The number of 10-year-olds connected to our campus is 133. That's crazy. There's a huge amount of kids and students that are connected to our campus. Now, to further explain, zero in one-year-olds, birth and one-year-olds, you'll notice is a little lower. And some are like, why is that the case? Well, got to remember, this is recorded attendance. And so, so we believe that part of the reason is because some of these babies don't get checked in. We know that there's babies here at the Medina campus. We hear them every weekend. Right? We, know, we know you're here. <laughs> and, and so that's, we know that that's, but listen, here's, here's the point. This is coming. And not just coming, this is here. And here's what's even more wild, is if you take this data and you begin to extrapolate What is the next three years going to look like? And if you use our growth projections and you use grade advancement, what you'll discover is that Power Kids is expected to grow by 250 more children connected to that ministry. Middle school is expected to over double if this wave continues in this direction. And if it continues even more, high school is intended to triple. High school ministries is expected to triple throughout that. Now, all I'm saying is we have to get ready for that. We have to prepare and we have to move in a way where we're investing in what God has already brought to us here. And all I'm saying is they're here. The next generation is here in an unbelievable way. We can see them, we can hear them, we can smell them. (laughs) And and listen to me, listen, I love it. I love this. I, I love this right here. One of my favorite things about our church is the kids and the students that are connected is that the next generation is here and they get to hear about Jesus. I love it. I love it. I remember at the party, I I just, if you guys were at the party, it was such a blast, but I'll just tell you, my favorite thing was watching the herds of children getting sugared up and running to the bouncy houses watching these 133 10-year-olds loving and knowing each other. And I'll tell you what I love is I loved watching all of them. And here's what I love. I love that they were surrounded by adults and other people in the next generation who love Jesus. You guys, I love that. I love that. I love our church. And I love that God has just decided for whatever reason that he would put the next generation right here right in front of us. But I will tell you guys, it also scares me. It also scares me because influence is a matter of stewardship and I look at that and I'm like, God, you put them here. And so that means we have a responsibility. We gotta do something and we have to prepare for this because you guys, here's, here's what I believe. I believe that if we don't do anything about this intentionally, we might miss this and this wave might go right past us and I would, I would hate if seven years from now, if we were all sitting around going, remember back when? remember the good old days, there used to be kids here. Remember when there was 130 10-year-old. remember when there was young adults who wanted to follow Jesus. remember that? I would hate that. I would hate that. And so the question is, what do we need to do now? What do we need to do now? And I'm telling you guys, if you're part of the Medina East Campus family, it's not gonna take a few of us, it's gonna take all of us to figure out how are we gonna make sure that they get it, that they know Jesus, that they love him, that they see the freedom that comes in the world that they're living in where they are bombarded with lies. What is it gonna look like for them to know who Christ is? And that is, listen, that's our responsibility. That's on us. And so will we rise up and will we do something about it? It's hit me in a really strong way at Bible Camp this past year. Bible Camp, by the way, is a week-long Bible program that we do for kids and students uh, in the summer. I remember Bible Camp this past year. I was standing in the back. There's over 400 kids in this auditorium, and they're all jumping up and down, and they're worshiping Jesus. And I remember just being so overwhelmed. I was like, this is so cool. I love it. If you guys have been part of Bible camp, you know, it's the best. It's just the best. And you watch all these kids, you know, they're praising Jesus. and They're jumping up and down. And I remember I was standing in the back and I was, I, was just, I was just honestly just blown away. And I was thanking God. I was like, God, thank you so much for all these kids that you brought. There's over 400 kids in this room. And, and I was so proud of our church. So many of you guys were volunteering that week. And I just remember I was praying for the kids in the room and I knew, that they were, I knew that that week they were gonna hear about Jesus. They were gonna hear about the good news of Christ and so I was praying for them. But then I remember I had this next thought and I still remember I was standing in the back. And I just remember I started to think to myself, Lord, what's gonna happen to these 400? This, this, just these 400 kids, what's gonna happen? What is the trajectory of their life going to look like? How many of them when they're 18, when they're 19, when they're 20, when they're 30, when they're 40, when they're 50, how many of them are gonna know you? How many of them are gonna love you? How many of them are gonna experience the freedom that comes in following you? Then I remember I started to think, how many of them are gonna go headlong into addictions? How many of them are gonna enter into relationships that honestly don't honor God or are gonna end up in broken families? How much is this cycle is gonna repeat? And I just remember in that moment, I just started to plead to God in desperation. And I just said, God, please save. And if you can let us be part of that, it's our responsibility. And so God, I wanna sign up. I'm in. What do we need to do? What do we need to do? And that's what we're talking about with kids and students. And so listen, I know at this point, talk about campusing, talk about children and students. Some of you might be thinking this, you might be thinking All right, man, I hear what you're saying. This is all good. So what can I do? What can I do? Put me in, coach. Tell me what do you want me to do? And let me just tell you, I just want to let you in a little bit on on what I'm planning to do over the next several weeks. All right, so I'll just kind of fill you in. I'll tell you everything. So here's what I'm hoping to do. This week, we're going to talk about kids. We're going to talk about campusing and kids and students. Next week, next week, we're going to talk about outreach and leadership development, all right? The week after that, we're going to talk about the plan. So I'm just gonna go through all of that as best as I know how to, as slowly as I know how to, to make sure that we all get it. But all of this is gonna culminate in the final week. And the final week is February 15th and 16th. And I wanna let you know what's coming. February 15th and 16th is something we're calling Commitment Weekend. And I'm going to ask you, if you are part of Grace Church Medina East Campus, to commit to being involved in some very specific ways. All right? And you're like, well, what are those? All right, well, I'm just gonna tell you right now. I'm just gonna tell you, just a full disclosure, here's what I'm gonna be asking you to commit to on that weekend. First off is I'm gonna ask you if you're part of Grace Church to commit to continue to pray for your three. Okay, pray for your three. Some of you are already doing this, and that's awesome. I wanna ask you to commit to continue doing this. Some of you have yet to jump in on this, but basically what we're saying is we wanna be people who are committed to praying for three people that are in the sphere of our life that we know maybe don't know the hope of Jesus yet. And the reason is because, man, we wanna be a church that's not just focused on ourselves, but it's focused on other people who don't know Christ, the telling the next generation about what God has done. So we wanna pray for your three. Number two, we're gonna ask you to commit to prioritizing and pursuing getting in a life group. If you're part of the Medina East Campus family, we're gonna ask you to do that. Prioritize that and pursue that, getting connected to a life group. Now, some of you are already in a life group. and If that's the case, that's awesome. I wanna ask you to stay committed to your life group. Some of you have yet to get connected to a life group. For some of you, maybe you were at one point and then you drifted away, which I understand. Life gets busy, things happen. For some of you, you've been meaning to get connected to a life group, but you just haven't. You're like, oh, I know I need to get around to that. This is an opportunity for you to make a commitment in that direction, to get connected to a life group. Now, for some of you, you're part of the Medina East Campus family, and quite honestly, you've been resistant to this, right? The idea of getting connected to a life group, you've been resistant to. And listen, can I just tell you something? I would be a terrible pastor. I mean, I would just be the worst. If I could look at you and I would tell you that you could follow Jesus and really get all, all that he desires for you and that he wants, he wants for you in your life without being connected to biblical community. I would be lying to you if I did that. That'd be like if I was a fitness coach and I stood up here and I told you, it doesn't matter what you eat, eat whatever you want, right? If I was a fitness coach and I said that, I'd be the most popular fitness coach on planet earth, for sure, but I would be lying to you, right? And in the same way, if I was a pastor and I said, look, you can just just be lightly involved and not get connected in real relationships with other people who follow Jesus and grow spiritually, it's not true, it's not true, And so, I want to encourage everyone to get connected to a life group. And listen, getting connected to a life group is not even just about your spiritual growth. Did you know that life groups are a critical part of how we grow and how we campus? We cannot campus unless we have life groups that are growing and multiplying as well. So, it's a key part. We'll talk about that more next week. Here's the next thing I want to encourage everyone who's part of the Medina Ace campus to get into a rhythm of serve one and attend one, of serve one. And attend one. Now, what is that? Well, here's what that's talking about. Many of you guys know on the weekend service, we have uh, Saturday services and Sunday services. There's two on Saturday and there's two on Sunday. Now, the reason we've designed it that way is actually on purpose. It's because we want everyone to pursue a pattern uh, of attending at a service and then shouldering some weekly responsibility where you are invested in some way in serving. So attend at a service and serve at a service. Serve at a service and attend a service. Pick a day, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, which by the way, I'll just mention, Jesus loves Saturdays a little bit more. He just does. <laughs> if, you Sa- if you come to Saturdays, Jesus will forgive more of your sins. Um, that is not in the Bible. That is a total lie. All right, that's not true. But, uh, but I will be honest with you, we actually are asking the people of Grace Church to reconsider locating the Saturdays. And the reason is because, and you guys know this, that our ability to grow and reach more people is directly contingent upon seats being available here on the weekends, on Sundays. This gets crazy in here sometimes. And so we're asking people to move in that way, okay? Now the reason this is so crucial, serve one, attend one, is because if we are going to campus and we are going to reach the next generation, we just, we just need more and more people to be involved in those ministries. If we're gonna campus, we have to multiply all of our efforts. We have to raise up more volunteers and more leaders because we have to send more volunteers and we have to send more leaders and we need to backfill what we're gonna be sending. So we gotta prepare for this, all right? Then here's the last one, February 15th and 16th, we're gonna ask those who are part of the Medina East Campus to give a three-year financial commitment, all right? Three-year financial commitment. And what we mean by that is that over the course of the next three years, some of you are already giving to Grace Church, and that's awesome, but this is above and beyond. We are asking that there is a campaign-style three-year giving uh, that God's people would rally together. As we talk about this, this whole idea of facilitating this movement of the next generation, as we talk about the idea of planning and preparing for campusing and for outreach and leadership development, I think all of us know that there's a price tag attached to that. And what I'm telling you is that to pursue the plan that we have in place, it's going to take dollars. And it's, it's one of those things that's gonna take all of us working together to do that. And so I wanna ask you to make a three-year commitment, you and your family, if you're part of the Medina East Campus, to make a three-year over and above commitment to some of those things that we're talking about. All right, so I just want you to know that that's coming. Just be very upfront with you about where this whole thing is going. All right, so what am I asking you for this week? All right, this week, here's just a few things. When I wanna ask you to keep praying, all right? And I'm not just saying that because I'm a pastor and this is a church and it's the right thing to say. I mean it. I'm asking you if you would please rally with us and pray. And we talked about that 30 days of prayer. I mean this. If, if we are genuinely trying to pursue what God wants for us as a church family, I think it's gonna take all of us crying out to God and seeking his direction. We want his will to be done and we wanna follow him in these things. So I'm asking you to pray. Here's the second thing. Grab a here we go booklet, okay? So on your way out in the cafe, there's booklets that look like this. They say, here we go on them. And then inside of this is a whole bunch of information about what we just talked about. And there's also an outline of the plan. So if you're a person that's like, I I really like to think about things and process through things, I'd encourage you to grab this and read it. Now in the next couple weeks, I'm going to give you a lot more detail than what's in here, but this will give you an overview of the plan. It'll give an overview of what we're thinking about, what we're hoping to do, and the timeline in which we're hoping to do it. All right, so you can grab that on the way out, process through. If you have questions, you can talk to me. You can talk to anyone with a here we go shirt on. We'd love to help in any way. All right, grab a booklet. Here's what I'm asking you to do. If you are part of the Medina East Campus family, I am asking you if you would please, and I, I really mean this, Would you find an opportunity this weekend to gather your family, whatever that looks like for you, and would you begin to pray and plan? So we're having a family conversation right now as the Medina East Campus family. I'm asking you to do the same thing. And would you sit down and would you begin to prayerfully plan, God, what would it look like for us to be involved in this? What would it look like? For some of you, maybe you need to get out your calendars. You need to say, hey, if we're gonna prioritize getting into a life group this year, maybe there's some things that we need to strategically say no to so that we can say yes to this. Maybe we need to simplify our lives in some ways to pursue some of these things. I'm gonna ask you to do that. For some of you, you might sit down and say, over the course of the next three years, what's it gonna look like for us to give sacrificially? Would you ask God about that? Would you ask him to lead you and guide you into that together? And then here's the last thing. I want you to check out the kiosks in the cafe. So there's a, there's a new, um, there's a new uh, installment out in the cafe. There's some kiosks out there. And on those kiosks, there's a bunch of information about serve one, attend one, about getting into a life group, and also about praying for your three. And so if you wanna make some steps in that direction, I'd encourage you to go check out those kiosks, get some information, and we'd love to follow up with you. Again, if you have questions, grab some with those Here We Go shirts. That'll be helpful and they would love to, to help direct you in some of those things, all right? So this week, campusing, children and students. Next week, outreach and leadership development. Mass the band to come up. And as they do, um, I'll just kind of end with this thought. I know some of you are some of you get jacked up about this stuff and you're like, "Yeah, man, let's go. You know, I'm I'm ready and I'm pumped." And then there's probably some of us in this room that quite honestly you hear this and you might be thinking to yourself, "Yeah, this all sounds good. It sounds like there's a lot going on, but um, wouldn't it be easier not to do this?" <laughs> and let me answer that question for you. Yeah. Yes. W- wouldn't it be easier for us just to like coast with what we got right now? Yeah. Yeah, so like why wouldn't we just do that? Well, here's why. It's because Psalm 78 tells us we can't hide. We're not gonna hide. We're gonna tell the next generation. We're gonna go after it. We're gonna go after it. We're gonna tell them about the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, about his power and the wonders that he has done. We are going to go because God has called us to live a life of faith and he has called us to live a life of servant, servant sacrifice for the sake of others to know him. And so we'll go boldly in faith where he wants us to go. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, I want to say thank you for your church. And specifically, I want to say thank you for this church. God, I love this church. God, I love what you're doing at this church. I love the people that you've brought to this church. Father, it's special. But I know that that's not on accident. And Father, I know that you have brought together a group of special people and that you have brought together all of us at this special time because there's something special you want us to do. And so, Father, I pray that we wouldn't just be recipients of your blessing, but that we would be stewards of it. And so as we try to follow you where you want us to go on this journey, Jesus, I just, I've prayed it a million times and I'll just pray it again. We just wanna go where you want us to go. So you lead us you guide us, and you give us faith to follow. We just want to pursue you. And so, Jesus, I pray you'd fill us with faith. I pray you'd fill us with courage. Help us to trust you, to believe you, and to pour our lives out for the sake of your mission. Jesus, I know every person in this room is dearly and deeply loved by you, and I pray that each person would even sense that, that they are so loved by you. And so, God, we thank you for your great love, and we thank you that you have called us into a purpose. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Before we came to grace, we were me and my husband were involved in small groups in our previous church, and uh, we led a small group in our home. And uh, we, when we left that church, we knew that that would be part of our lives somehow. Eventually, God, through several houses and different moves, we've we're led here to Medida East. We just knew as soon as we walked into the first life group that we were part of, uh, we said, this is for us. And the reason why we can say that we knew it was for us is because the connection between the people, the the interaction they had with each other was like uh, an extension of family. And that is what we really loved about it. It was genuine. I've never felt uh, that someone wasn't being genuine. And we did go to a couple of different life groups in When we decided to be leaders, when we agreed to lead a life group, we definitely had to take off the, we had to think about what it meant, the impact that it would have, and then the cost of that. So we've had to learn to adapt with time. We've had to really take the time and pray together. We have intentional prayer time, intentional time with our kids to study the Bible, just trying to make it real for them outside of just life group time or church time that we say you know we live out our christian faith i think differently about my job even Um, i have to go to work so then i'm thinking like okay how do i have to adjust my vacation time do i have to adjust my start times do i need to find another location to work i mean has been made a, a wonderful impact in thinking about Life just outside of Sunday or whatever day we go to church or do life group. It's not just about, oh, Sunday we go to church. It's about every day I am the church. You know, I'm gonna live this out. I'm gonna, Lord, help me to do my best to show your goodness in every day of the week. I was talking to my daughter, um, my oldest daughter, teenager, and she was saying, like, you know, I said, do you think it will make a difference if your friends, um, if your teenage friends, were interested in Jesus. Would you Would you talk to them more about Jesus? And she said, absolutely. And I think that is something that she is thinking about herself. Like, how can I take Jesus into this public school environment or wherever I am? And I think that's how it starts. That's how we keep the ball rolling into the next generation, keep them interested, hungry, uh, seeking God, feel like there's so much power in, in just living life every day that you can see that people are like oh wow this is okay i'm gonna keep living life i'm gonna keep doing what i do you see the children our, our daughter got baptized you know here and, and our son is like asking questions about jesus it's so awesome to see our faith um, being instilled into the next generation and how invested grace is in the next generation not just for now not just for us but for the next generation to keep growing so that we can have more than what we have even today My name is Eileen Mills, and here we go.